Lord bless you, Brother Amen. Love you. Thank you. And he's a lot to love, I'll tell you that for sure. Ask his wife. <laughs> well, it's good to be back in Puyallup. Good to be back in the God's country. And uh, I know that's what you call it. And I've been down in the desert the last five months in Yuma, Arizona. And that's desert, I'll tell you for sure. But it's such a joy. I just couldn't help but sit here and think about, you know, I, I remember when this lady came into our church and she had two little twin girls. I think they were five years old, weren't they? Four. And uh, now they're all grown up. And, uh, you know, the memories of serving God are just unbelievable. Uh, to be able to go back to places where you've served. And uh, last Sunday we were in Ocean View Baptist Church out on in Long Beach, Washington, where we started that church. And that church was birthed out of this church. And this morning we were at Tanino, and that church was birthed out of this church. And by the way, um, is Donna's son here? She told me that she had a son here, and his name was Eli. Is that right? Okay, I'm telling your mom that you were not here tonight because <laughs> his mother said to us this morning, all right, you, there he is back over there. Okay, well, mama said for you to send money. Okay, that's all the message I have. <laughs> good to meet you, Eli, though. Your mother, real sweet. We were in Tonino this morning, preached there, and had a good time with Brother Peace and his church there. And Alice Forbes says hi to you that remember her. She didn't change a bit, you know. She just, well, she did, she did have to put her dog down, and she said that was quite a thing for her. But anyway, she uh, still serving the Lord, just busy for God. And that's good, you know. When you, when you find out people have quit, that's what hurts. And yet, come back and, and see people that you're still serving the Lord. And, and uh, I was just excited about coming next Sunday. And if you don't know this, I'm supposed to be here next Sunday too. So... We're going to have to hang out, so if y'all have any extra food, let us know. We'll be around to your house, okay, between that. No, seriously, though, we, we were uh, scheduled to come next week, and then they called and said, we need to have you come today. I said, I can't come this morning, but I can come tonight. And so they said, okay. So we were at Tonino, and they had a great time and a great time there, but it was such a blessing to look forward to being with you, and I always enjoy seeing the property. It looks sharp. It looks clean. It looks neat, and... Uh, I tell you what, when you know the truth and then you see the truth exhibited by this facilities, it just blesses your heart. It really does. I remember the Omleys because when we were in California going through that uh, state that, uh, and even down in Arizona, we kept seeing this Carl Jr.'s restaurant. And they, they love Carl Jr.'s restaurant, their hamburgers. I don't know what about them is. I don't know whether they're greasy or what, but they really, uh, they're just... Every time we'd see one, so well, there's Brother Almy's restaurant. There's Diane's restaurant. That's the one they go to all the time. So it's such a blessing to be able to be reminded of what God can do and does through you if you'll just yield to Him and give Him your best. Now, some of you might ask, well, what have you been doing? You know, uh, I think we were here uh, in 19, 2019, I'm not sure, about three years ago. Uh, we put 50,000 miles on our truck. Since then, and we have been preaching, and since we left uh, this church, uh, retired, we have pastored 
uh, let's see, two churches, and we have started a church. And so uh, we're still on the ball for the Lord and still serving God and intend to do so until the Lord calls us home. Now, uh, recently, uh, back uh, a few months ago, the phone rang, and I uh, answered it, and uh, the fellow said, I'm Jimmy Watson. And he said, I and my brother own nine properties in the state of Arizona. Okay, big deal. I don't know anything about it. I don't know Jimmy Watson. He said, I'm looking on the Internet, and I found out that you're a retired preacher. I said, well, yes. And he said, well, I want to get the gospel in the two RV parks in Yuma, Arizona. And would you be willing to come and hold services on Sunday and have Bible studies during the week and just be a chaplain in both of these RV parks. Well, I've never done this before. This is a new deal, new adventure. I said, well, let's talk, you know, because I said, now, I'm just an old-fashioned Baptist preacher. And I said, you know, you may not like what I'm going to preach. He said, if it's out of the Bible, that's what I want. I said, oh, I agree there. And so he said, well, I just want to get the gospel in these places. I want to tell you something. Maybe you're aware of this. I was not. I went down to Yuma, my wife and I, and by the way, where is she? She left me a while ago. There she is over there. Would you stand up, honey, so they know I am married? 62 years we've been married. I have no advice, okay, so don't come and ask me. I do know that she says the reason she's kept me, she doesn't want to train another one, so I guess that's some kind of an advice. But anyway, Jimmy said... And so we went to Yuma. I didn't know this, but Yuma, Arizona is about a 90,000 population. But in the five months of what they call snowbirds, it goes to 180,000 people. There are over 100 RV parks in Yuma, Arizona area. I couldn't believe it. In fact, I went to the local church there, the Faith Baptist Church. Brother John Getch is the pastor. Maybe some of you might know of him. And, and uh, I said, preacher, I said, I just landed. I, I, I never realized. And we began to talk. He said, well, I never realized such a mission field there. What can I do to help? I said, well, I want a local church to get anybody saved. I want to sit, follow them in your direction. And so we would go there when we could. And, and he said, well, what do you need? I said, well, I could use some Bibles. It's amazing how these 55-plus people don't even have a Bible. And uh, so we began to hold services. And I... I uh, turn your Bibles to Psalm 118. I'll get there in a minute. But I just want to share with you something so that you might be made aware that there is such a need. And uh, we went to Mission, Texas, the, uh, not this last winter, but the winter before. Never been down there and got into a park and it was so ungodly and there was so much drinking. There was so much ungodliness. I didn't realize seniors could be such sinners. Man. I told my wife, I said, I'm getting tired of being offered booze and, 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 and all the foul language going around here and everything. Uh, I didn't realize, but there is such a great need. And so when I preach here in Yuma this past five months, I was looking at people in a 55-plus park. You know what they are. They're 65, 70, 75 years old. They're probably, a lot of them won't even be here next year. They're gone into eternity. And I had such a burden for them. And we began to have people that came from cults and false religions coming to our Bible study. 
And, and one lady said to me, I was raised a Roman Catholic, and she said, we, we don't study the Bible in our church. I said, I know that. She said, well, could I come to your Bible study? Said, right on. Come on, lady. And she brought her husband. And, you know, the thing that we have to understand is there's some mission fields that are yet untapped. And so uh, we've been invited to go back. I, I told him, I said, look, I'm 82 years old, and I thought I'd be hanging it up a long time ago, but if God gives us health, we'll probably be back down there next year. But I want you to pray for us because it's very dangerous at our age to be running around with a big rig like we got and all these crazy drivers, the other crazy drivers, not you, but the others. And I'm just thinking about how... God has so protected us, watched over us, and, and taken care of us. Uh, a week ago, Wednesday, we were, uh, uh, two weeks ago today, we were in Salem, Oregon with Brother Steve Brown and preached in his church. And then I said, well, we're trying to get to Seaside and on up to Tonino. He said, well, look, it looks like there's a window in the weather. If you take out now, you could probably get over the mountain, the coastal mountains, into Seaside and then come on up to Tonino. I said, okay, great. We'll head that way. Well, we got up to the top of one of the mountains, and I don't know if you've been on Highway 26. It goes from Portland over to the, the coast. There's some pretty high mountains. And somehow the window that was supposed to be open got shut. They got four and a half inches snow in Portland, and we were up on the top of this mountain, and all of a sudden, in all the snow, I couldn't go anywhere. I just started spinning my wheels. Now, when you see the rig out here, you know you don't want to be towing that thing up a mountain, and you can't get traction, and the sides are there, and it looks like we're going to slide off the side. And I just stopped. Now, what do you do? You just stop. I'm sitting in the highway, cars are going around me, a guy stops and he says, well, what's your problem? I said, I can't get over the mountain. <laughs> he said, well, let me, tow, let me put my Toyota on you. I said, oh, that? I said, you're not going to, no, I could just see me tearing that car up and my truck and the trailer and everything all down the side of the mountain. I said, no, I said, let's don't do that. He said, well, how about you backing down? To the rest stop, I said, that's half a mile. Have you ever backed a rig like that in the snow, sliding on the edge of a mountain back to the rest of I said, not me. No, no, I'm out of here. i tell you what, I, I was, to be honest with you, I was just really scared. I confessed my sins, my wife's sins, my in-law's sins, my outlaw's sins. I, I, you know, I, I really tried to get close to God. I needed God to come through. Well, this guy stops and he says, well, why don't you just back up a little bit? I said, well, big deal. What's that going to do? He says, just back up a little bit and then try to go forward. And I said, okay. You know, owe me a little faith. So I back up about eight feet and I step on it and I got a little traction. I started going, I started going, I started going. And my wife got her prayer answered and we made it over the top. So when you pray for evangelists and people like us, probably got no more business of doing what we're doing than we're doing, but just pray for our safety and our health. I've been dodging the COVID. We came up here and thought, well, we could visit our kids. All our kids are sick. We can't see any of them. So we just talk to them on the phone, hope we don't get any germs through the phone. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. It pays to serve Jesus. Every day. I want to talk to you tonight on a practical subject. I've been known to be a practical preacher, but 
I want to talk to you about attitude adjustment. You know, my mother was very adept to that. I grew up in a preacher's home after my dad became a Christian when I was a little boy, and we had, you know, typical portionage, and we had the phone there. And my mother, raising six kids, they had one after I left home, thought they'd have their own grandkids, but anyway, that's another story. But my mother could be correcting one of us kids, and usually she just got very adamant about it. I don't know if your mother was like this. She would just get on our case like, if you do that one more time, I'm going to twist your arm off and beat you with the bloody end of it. Isn't that awful? She never did it, though. Or she'd say, I'm going to twist your head off if you say that again. And in the middle of some of those conversations in a high pitch, the phone would ring. And she would be saying, I'm going to do this. Hello, how are you? I never could get over how she could switch that quick. She would make an attitude adjustment. Then there were times when she would call me on the carpet and she would say, Gary, you know, you need to, you need to adjust your attitude. I was in a Safeway store yesterday, and I saw a sign that said, your attitude determines your direction. I found this verse, and I thought, you know, this is a verse that I think would be very good for us to just claim this week. In verse number 24 of the 118th Psalm, it says this, this is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will rejoice and be glad in it. As I looked at this verse, I thought, I'll just break this down. First of all, there's a reminder. This is the day. There are so many people that are living for tomorrow. There are so many people that are living miserably today because of their past. 90% of the problems that you have in the future probably will not even come to pass. I can't help it, but many times when I get in situations with this rig and like I, I stopped in, uh, some of you probably remember the pastor used to be over here at Bible Baptist Church. Uh, forgot his name. Yeah. Jim Nolan. Jim Nolan's in Cathedral City, California. I called Jim and I said, Jim, I want to come by and see you. We're on our way up, going up to the coast. He said, good, come by and preach. I said, I can't, we're, we're booked, but I just want to see you. He said, okay. I said, now, I want to see your work and so forth. We'll just come by and, and maybe have lunch or dinner or something. And he said, okay, good. I said, okay, now, our rig is 53 feet long, the truck and the trailer. I said, now, he said, well, you can just park in our church parking lot. I said, what kind of a church parking lot have you got? He said, well, we're meeting in a strip mall. Do you know what a strip mall is? It doesn't handle 53-foot rigs. Anyway, I'm coming into California, and you know, California's funny. It's busy, and people drive crazy and so forth. But anyway, I get to the church that evening just before dark, and I look at that strip mall, and I said, Jim, there is no way that I can get in and out of there. 
I pulled in, but I'd have to back out on the street to get back out, but I had to do that. He said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you just park here on the street? Well, that's really fun. Have you ever tried to sleep beside a street in California, the traffic going, zoom, 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 zoom. And then I looked, and next door to his church is a fire station. Three o'clock in the morning, they have a fire. Guess what? Arlene and I are getting up. Maybe we're on fire. We don't know. The tire sirens go. I said, Jim, no, no, no way, no way, no way. I said, I'm sorry. I don't want to be rude, but, you know, I can't do this. I can jump curbs and go over islands, and I've done that. But I said, I don't want to do it on purpose now because I can't do this. So anyway, we went to an RV park and parked it and had a good night's rest. But please pray that God will watch over us because we need your prayers. And I used to pray for missionaries, and I used to wonder, you know, sometimes when you're praying for that missionary, they may be going right through something that you don't and may never know about, but God knows about it, and God may hear and answer your prayers in their behalf. This is the day. First of all, I want us to think about that we need to be reminded this is the day. Now, you may be here tonight and you're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is Monday, okay? And it's another day. But this is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And we as Christians, we need to understand that we're looking around us and and we're thinking about other days and, and past days, but we need to think about this day and make this day count because this is the day that we do have. We need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we can make plans and so forth for the future, and I know we should, but we must remember that the most important time that you have is right now. And sometimes God lays somebody on your heart that you need to witness to or you need to invite to church or, or you're concerned about. And, and in your mind, you're thinking, well, when am I going to do that? And probably best time to do it is right now because God brought it to your mind and your thoughts. I don't know how many times on visitation I would be starting out and I'd have a stack of cards and I would look at them and I would think and I would think, well, okay, this person, that person. which, And then the Lord would say, why don't you go see that person? And I'd get there and they would say, you know what, preacher, we're glad you came by. We've been needing to talk to you. This is the day. We need to remind ourselves to live for today. Plan for tomorrow, but live for today. And don't let your past mess up your time right now. Satan is good at that. Satan can cause us to drag along things that will slow us down. And, but we need to be reminded, this is the day. This day, I want you to think about this verse, and it's a common verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for what? Good. All things good. I'm still working on that mountaintop experience on Highway 26 about the good that came out of it. And some things you may never know what the good is, But if God is in control, there is some good in it for your life. And you have to trust God for that. It says it's for our good to them that love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. 
So if you love God, then God is good all the time. In the bad times, in the thin times, in the thick times, in the blessed times, in the burdened times, in the spoiled times, He's good all the time. We need to be reminded of that. And it's this day that we have. This day. When the day comes to an end, can we look back and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I rejoiced and I was glad in it. Number two, he said, we will rejoice. I think we need to have a resolve in our life that we have the right attitude. You know, your attitude can make a great difference in your life. And sometimes I just need to be reminded that I will. You know, I, I kind of get amazed at some people that will buy an old beat-up car. It's a classic, they say. And they're going to restore it. And they take it home and they start taking it apart. And they spend hours and hours and hours and dollars and dollars and dollars. And eventually they get it done. Why? Because they resolved they were going to do it. Some of you hear these pianists play and you say, Oh, I wish that I could play the piano like that. If you'd resolved to do it, you could. You see, the person that plays the piano probably ran somebody nuts just practicing at home. I have two sisters that became pianists, accomplished pianists. I can't tell you how many times we said, Would you please stop that? Da, 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 da. Same stuff over and over again. But they were resolved. Oh, if we could get that resolution in our heart that we're resolved that this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice in it. He said, but you don't know what I'm going through. No, but he does. And let's be reminded it's the day he made. Not the day perhaps that we made. But the day that he allowed to be made in our lives. What Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Wouldn't it be wonderful that if every person in this church this week would say, I'm not going to meet any person that I don't try to tell them about Jesus Christ and His crucifixion, that He died on the cross for our sins and was buried and rose again. Now, that's what Paul said. I said, I was determined. Did you know on the average that every church member knows 60 people by their first name? 60 people. You say, I don't believe that. Start counting them up. That lady at the grocery store? That guy that you work with? That couple next door? That guy across the street? That people that you go to school with? I mean, you, you could... And how many of them have heard the fact that from you, Jesus Christ and Him crucified? The gospel is what we're talking about. And Paul said, I am determined. I am resolved to do that. Many times we pass up those opportunities because we haven't resolved to do it. You know, it's amazing when we have a favorite ball team 
Who do we talk about? The ball team. Why? Because we're just resolved to do it. We're just determined to do it. And if somebody says anything bad about our ball team, boy, we get up in the air about it and say, wait a minute, hold it. I mean, they made a bad trade. Those, those ball players went to New York. The Yankees got another good one from Seattle. And yet, if we resolve to say, I want people to know that I'm connected with one, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he saved my lost soul and gave me a new life in him. We have to resolve to do that. If you want to play the piano, you've got to resolve to practice. And you can't quit when it gets hard. And when your siblings gripe because you're practicing the chopsticks or something in it, but you're resolved to do it, you're determined to do it, and you come up with that resolution, and I'll guarantee you the resolution will keep you through the tough times if you determine you're going to see it through to the end. And then I thought about this, rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice. Now rejoicing is not a word that you go around with a Jimmy Carter smile all the time. If you do that, people will be kind of curious what you're up to. (laughs) But it does mean that there is an aura around you of peace and happiness one of the things that will take away your rejoicing today is the news. You listen to all the news, and I'm telling you, you can get so depressed and so discouraged. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't seen a news telecast in probably a year. It's all bad. I want some good news. I'm going to get into the book. It's got the good news. You say, well, you don't know what's going on. I know what's going on according to this book. And I know what's on the plan of God according to this book. And I know one thing about this book. You see, books are informational. Telecast, newscast, that's information. But here's a book, if you spend time in it, is transformational. This book will change you. When you read this book, you hear this book taught, you hear it preached, it will change your life. When my dad came home after accepting Christ as his Savior, our home was rearranged. I mean, from the get-go. We prayed at our meals. We went to church when the doors were open. And he began to get more interested, and pretty soon he was giving, and pretty soon he was going, and pretty soon he was teaching a class, and then he surrendered to preach and went into the ministry. It was an ongoing thing, but it transformed our life because of our faith and trust in this book. That's what I appreciate about the Bible. Because it does have an effect upon people. I can take this book and walk into the darkest den of iniquity in this area, lay this book open, and begin to read out of it. And I'll guarantee you there's going to be a reaction of those people in that place. Why? Because this is a transformational book. It transforms people. It turns people around. It turns them inside out. It turns them to look in the mirror and see for themselves what really God sees. And God says is the truth that we are sinners and we need a Savior. And then He shows us the Savior that can transform our life. I was thinking about this as rejoicing. I said, well, I got to rejoice in. Well, let's look at several things. Look at the 20th Psalm, verse 5. Back a few pages in your Bible. 20th Psalm in verse number 5. What does it say? I love this. 
we will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our Lord, our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Look at chapter of the ninth Psalm in verse 14. The ninth Psalm in verse 14. That I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. You say, I don't know what I can rejoice in. You can rejoice in your salvation. How long has it been since you went back to that time when you accepted Christ as your Savior? Do you remember where it was? Do you remember the building or do you remember anything about it? Do you remember maybe who invited you to church? Or who invited you to Christ? Or who took the Bible and read it to you, the plan of salvation, and you were able to receive Christ as your Savior? I tell you, you won't be down if you rejoice in your salvation. It'll lift you up. You'll be encouraged. And if you need a a better uh, way to do that, go out on visitation and visit people who do not know Jesus as their Savior. And you'll see the life they're living and you'll walk out of those places and you'll say, Oh, thank you, Lord. My home has you as the head of it. Our home has been arranged by you. Our home is serving you, and you have blessed us so much. Rejoice in your salvation. Go back and rehearse it in your mind and your heart. It will lift you up, and it will cause you to rejoice. Look at Psalms 119, 113. Psalm 119, 113. Notice this passage, and I love this also. I hate vain thoughts, he said, but thy law do I love. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. That's the Word of God, the Bible. You get into the Word of God, you'll have a reason to rejoice. By the way, I want to show you something. You know, sometimes every once in a while somebody comes along and they'll say, you know what, I quit going to church because somebody offended me. They made a comment on the way I looked or the way I dressed or what I talked or where I said or what I did or what I didn't do or whatever. So I just, I, you know, it offended me. So I just, I just don't go to church anymore. I want to show you something. Look at the 165th verse of that psalm. The same one, 119. Look, look at the people that cannot be offended. Notice what it says. Great peace have I which love thy law. That's the Bible. Love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Well, you know, the preacher did this, or he said that, or he, he did this, or he did that. Nothing shall offend them. You run into somebody has got offended, they don't love the Bible. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say that. God said that. They that love thy word shall not be offended. You say, well, aren't your feelings ever hurt? Oh, Yeah. But it's not going to hurt me to the point where I'm going to quit serving God. Because the Bible is what I love. And the Bible is what I can rejoice in. And I'm not going to worry about somebody that's offended or gets their feelings hurt or something else. If it's something I've done personally, sure, I apologize. Try to make amends. But it's not going to keep me from going on and serving God. We have people today that wear their feelings on their elbows and they just get them bumped all the time and they're always complaining and griping about it, you know. Oh, listen, don't let things offend you. That's the tool of Satan to keep you out of being what you should be for God. 
we can rejoice in the scriptures. I love the Bible. Here's another thing. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. I found this out, and I know that you might think about this, but I believe that we can rejoice by singing. You say, well, you don't know how bad a tune I carry. Well, get alone where nobody can hear you. This is what, look what it says. It's okay to talk to yourself here. It says here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms, speaking to yourselves, Sometimes you need to talk to yourself, okay? And how are you going to do this? Notice what it says. And you could do it in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Singing. You can't keep a singing person down. Did you know that? Tomorrow when you start off going to work, why don't you just try whistling Jesus loves me when you go into the shop, huh? They may look at you kind of funny, like, okay, what's he been on or what's she taking? You know, the world is looking for somebody that's rejoicing. They really are. They got enough misery. They got enough burdens. They got enough bad news. They're looking for somebody that's got some good news. And we can share that by having the thought, I'm going to rejoice, and if it's singing that causes me joy, I'm going to sing. Somebody said, well, where do you suggest I sing? Sing in the shower, shut the door, don't let anybody know you're in there. But you cannot keep a person down that will sing. And, you know, I love the music here. I love the song leader. I love the pianist. But you know, sometimes when I've been up here or I've been in churches and I've been a music man and part of my ministry, I saw people that never sang in church. And I wondered, what, what, what is that? Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's what the Bible said. You said, well, how am I supposed to do it? The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I don't care what kind of noise it is, just so it's joyful. Amen. Don't act like your shoes are too tight. Just enjoy being a Christian and rejoice. And don't let the world get you down to where you're dragging your heels and your chins on the floor because of all the things going around you when you can rejoice and sing praises to God. If you can't do one, then whistle. If you can't do that, hum. But get that song in your heart that will show out in your life. There's another thing. Look at Psalms 19, verse 1. Psalms 19, verse 1. We're talking about how and what can I rejoice in. Psalms 19, verse 1. I love this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. This is what a shepherd boy wrote. And he's saying, as he looks up into the heavens, maybe on a beautiful, dark summer night, he notices all the stars, and he says the heavens declare the glory of God. And then he looks down at the sheep, and he looks down at the things on the earth, and he says, and the earth shows the handiwork of God. You can rejoice not only in the salvation, not only in scripture, not only in singing, but you can enjoy and rejoice in the scenery. You live in one of the beautiful places in the nation right here. I mean, I never ceased to amaze when we began to see Mount Rainier. I said, there it is. 
People from all over the world come here to see your scenery. And you get your head down and you're looking down at your toes and you, you don't look up and look at the scenery. God's displayed His handiwork in the scenery. He's done it in the heavens. Let me give you an example. Our earth is in one of the galaxies. There are many galaxies. And these galaxies are not just a little area. The galaxy that the earth and the planets such as that we know of, the moon and the star and the sun and so forth that we know of, we are in one galaxy. I believe it's called the Milky Way galaxy. This galaxy is so large that it would take you at the speed of light, which is what, 186,000 miles a second, it would take you, I believe I wrote down, 100,000 years at the speed of light to just go across our galaxy. Now in that galaxy, there's this 25,000 mile around ball called the Earth. I want to give you an illustration. Got a basketball here. You see the basketball? Sir, do you see the basketball? He don't see the basketball. It's a basketball. Okay, think about a basketball. All right? The basketball is there. You know the size of the basketball, okay? If you got a BB gun, you know the little round gold BBs you put in it? Okay. That little BB represents one thing. The basketball represents another thing. In the galaxy is the sun, okay? There's the basketball. That guy sees it now. He's got, it. He's got his eyes open. Okay. Now, if you go to sleep while I'm preaching, it's my fault, not yours. Okay. Now, the BB represents the earth. And on that earth is you. That's why the scripture says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? But let me tell you something. God looked past all that galaxy past all that stars, and he looked on that BB, and he saw your need, and he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. If you can't rejoice in that, there's something wrong. You need to check up on your rejoicer. It needs fixing. Just think about it. And I'll tell you what, it'll put a smile on your lips, and a song in your heart. You realize what God did for us. You see, there's something interesting about this. And one day God just spoke to my heart about this. Uh, I happen to have a hobby. And I like to turn pins. And you guys wood turners, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, you make these things. They look pretty neat. And uh, they're pretty simple. And yet, if you were to take this pen, even though it looks good, and you would put it under a microscope, it would look pretty bad. Because the imperfections of man-made, when they're multiplied, they look terrible. But I want to challenge you. You take God's creation, put it under a microscope, and it looks beautiful. And it's perfect. And it's symmetrical. And its design is correct. Because God created it. So what you and I do has its imperfections. But what God created, we can rejoice in it. And say he did it perfectly. 
He did it to honor himself. He did it to bring honor and glory to him. And we can rejoice in the scenery. But here's the last thing I want to talk about. The second coming. Luke 21, 28 says, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad I've got the hope of the second coming of Christ, the rapture of the Christians. I sat down the other day, and I hadn't ever done this, and the Lord just impressed me to do it. And I sat down, and I tried to envision what would happen in my imagination when all these Christians, thousands upon thousands of them, are raptured off the earth that are alive right now. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be changed and caught up to be with Him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But what's going to happen? Can you imagine Interstate 5 at rush hour in Seattle and the rapture takes place? It's bad enough with those crazy drivers. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? The semis? Can you imagine what an ambulance driver going to the scenes of accidents is raptured and the ambulance crashes? Can you imagine a doctor that's operating on someone in a crucial situation and suddenly he doesn't have a body to to operate on? Or he may turn to the nurse and say, hand me the scalpel," and he turns and there's just a pile of clothes there and she's gone or he's gone. But you know what struck me? And I never thought about this. Can you imagine a false preacher standing in a pulpit who said there's no hell, there's no heaven, it's just all a lifestyle you can choose. And the death of Jesus Christ doesn't mean anything and he's blasphemed God and he blasphemed God's word and said you can't believe it. And while he's up there giving his little speech with his hands folded and trying to look so pious, the rapture takes place. And suddenly he realizes a few people gone out of the congregation. Probably very few, but a few. And then he hears a murmur go through the congregation. And then he begins to hear some mothers screaming who are holding nothing but an empty blanket, a baby's blanket. I want to tell you something. The rapture is going to be a wonderful thing to rejoice in. But there's going to be a lot of regrets, people that rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you're here tonight, I would not pillow my head until I got on my knees and accepted Christ as my Savior. Because the rapture is ripe to happen at any moment at this time. We are so close. We don't even realize how fast it's moving in that direction. The Antichrist is like in the wings waiting to come on stage full-blown. And the earth is going to accept it. Let me give you a little thought. How long did it take us to get this world locked down? It didn't take very long, did it? People just fell in line. They just said, oh, well, we've we got to do this. We've got, we got to quit meeting. We've got to do this. We've got to wear this. We've got to distance this. And immediately, everybody said, that's what we've got to do. That might be a dress rehearsal for what's yet to come, folks. And if you're saved, you can rejoice in the rapture because we're not going to be here when it gets real bad and it's going to get real bad. We'll be gone. <laughs> I love that song. And I'll be gone. I'll be gone. But I want to challenge you this week. 
I want you to covenant with God because it looks like unless the Lord comes back, you're going to be given April the 25th, Monday, 2022, tomorrow. Would you just covenant in your heart and say, God, help me. I'm in the midst of a lot of trouble and bad news and, and feelings and so forth. God, help me. Help me to rejoice in my salvation. Help me to rejoice in the scriptures. Help me to rejoice in your senior and your handiwork that you do upon the earth. And help me to rejoice in the fact that one day soon I'm going to be out of here and I'm going to be in heaven with all the rest of the saints. Thank God for that. I've buried my parents, buried my wife's parents. I buried my sister last year. I buried her sister last year. I mean, and I look over and I know there's people that's gone from here that was here when I was here. They're already in heaven. They're waiting. They're part of the cheering crowd said, come on, come on, we're waiting for you. Don't you love it when you go to the airport and people get to see each other and they grab each other and they just have tears of joy and they weep and they cry? What do you think heaven's going to be like? You talk about a reunion following the rapture. Well, I don't know. Well, you need to rejoice in thinking about what it's going to be like because Jesus paid our debt. And made it so we could go. Covenant with God. Okay, this week, God give me the grace that I'm going to just rejoice. And I'm going to let the Lord keep me with the right attitude adjustment that I, I need. And we all need that. We all need to be reminded of it. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.